0: line love radio i'm your host anna rosen enjoy these heartfelt conversations having to do with creativity transformation and the divine welcome back i have a real treat for you today i just got done chatting with frank from coyote water tarot and it was just a fucking awesome conversation i feel like i can call him my friend now dude this guy is awesome he is so artistic so cool such a thoughtful mind so interesting um i just have some i just nothing but good things to say Um, you will get so much out of this conversation. I learned a lot. I think you will too. What a unique person. He's a Leo and really just coming forward with an open heart and I can't wait to share it. So without further ado, I will see you on the other that on? Yep. Okay. So introduce yourself for everyone. Okay. Hi. Uh, My name is Frank Guidry. Um, I,
1: um, make tarot cards and literal cards and, um, I live in South Louisiana, uh, out in the country. Um, I am Cajun. Um, I grew up in a French speaking family, a Cajun French speaking family. um, Mm -hmm and kind of surrounded by um, folk magic and folk catholicism and all these um, as a kid strange things but once you get older you realize how cool they are and so I've reconnected them with them in recent years Um, and that's that's a a, a basic bio for sure. I've lived all over the country, um, Montreal, but I'm uh, currently back in South Louisiana.
0: Nice, so your family's still there?
1: Yes, all my family is a uh, Southwest Louisiana, uh, Lafayette, Lake Charles area. Um, what people call Cajun country. Yeah.
0: Nice. It's so nice to be around your family.
1: It really is. Are you? Where do you live? Just yeah. Ontario.
0: I'm a local, so I have never moved really anywhere. Um, I am in DC, so really close to DC in Maryland. So a little suburb outside of DC um I love it I went to a boarding school when I was a teenager in Utah which was like wild <laughs> and super random <laughs> but cool. like other than that I'm I'm the, I'm an east coast gal so yeah I really like it I'd love to visit down south though I think that would be really fun
1: yeah it's really cool um New Orleans is of course great um mm-hmm. New Orleans one of those cities it's kind of singular and um there's just no place like it you know like you have like San Fran you have New York and uh, New Orleans is one of those cities that's just really unique um, but over in southwest Louisiana um it's more of a Cajun rural more uh lifestyle different Mardi Gras different uh ways of speaking and things like that um but Louisiana is interesting it's um It has a different history than the rest of the South because of French and Spanish colonial versus English colonial period. Um, So it's a very interesting place to visit, for sure. Good food, too.
0: Yeah, and it seems like, it feels like it's very magical. Like if a place was magical, it would be there.
1: I think so. Um, You know, people are quote-unquote superstitious, you know what I mean? And I don't mean that in a bad way, but they hold on to a lot of... uh, Folk traditions here. Um, like I said, growing up, my grandma's house. She she only spoke Cajun French. Um, no English, and her house was full of Mary stuff. And I always thought it was so weird as a kid. All these altars and candles and like, what is she doing? You know, this is some kind of witchcraft stuff. You know. Um, and not until I got older did I realize how cool it really was and how unique it was. You know. Um. So it is a, a really magical place. Uh, Anthony Bourdain, right before he passed, uh, came here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of his last voyages and um, he was quoted as saying, Louisiana is the most European state uh, in the country. And I also agree with that. We were very um, very laid back um, mm-hmm. when, with most things, not with all things, um, especially Cajun people. Um, because South Louisiana is more of a French, History, Cajun Creole, uh, mélange, and the uh, North Louisiana is more Anglo uh, Protestant background. So there's a a difference, but South Louisiana is very um, arguably very European to to today, actually.
0: So I love your deck that you made. It's so cool. I'm gonna buy one after we get off. It's so awesome. Um, so all the listeners should go and buy it. So how do you say? Is it Lenormand or am I just like butchering the name? That's
1: that's pretty much it. Uh, Lenormand. But
0: Lenormand. <laughs> you make it sound so much better.
1: <laughs> 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 Shit, I'm like
0: Lenormand.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, Lenormand or uh, Lenormand Full Pal Um, uh, Even I'm butchering it right now because when I think about pronouncing things, then I butcher it. Um, but foupal mal, in Cajun French, we say, uh, je m'en pas mal, which means, can we curse or? Notice? Yeah, go ahead,
0: this is the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: means, it means I don't give a shit, you know, I, I don't that. care. Je m'en fous pas mal. And I created the deck relatively quickly, um, with not much concern for detail, just wanting to create it and, um, you know, have that kind of a spirit of not caring, um, uh, a kind of a cowboy aesthetic, if you will. You know?
0: Yeah. So it seems like that was one way that your surroundings influenced the deck. Like, what else do you, can you think of?
1: Well, definitely the surroundings, the people. Um, also, so uh, I do need to mention. I was I created this deck during uh, a class, a course for Camellia Elias.
0: Are you familiar with No. Okay. So she's an amazing tarot
1: reader, teacher, writer, artist. She's just phenomenal. Uh, go check her Instagram yeah. out. She's so cool. Um, cool. So she offers all these courses, Lenormand, mm-hmm. Tarot, Playing Cards. Her Playing Cards course is about to come up. Um, and uh, I was in the Lennar Mall Foundation course, um, and I wanted to create a deck during the course, particularly for the course with kind of – and her, uh, her her academy is called a Radi academy, so kind of in an Arabian aesthetic, which is she's very Zen. So she teaches through um, kind of Zen lenses. Um, and so the deck was very much minimalistic. Um, it's very simple. It's deconstructed. Um, There's it not fancy backgrounds or borders or anything like that, just the more or less traditional um, images. And then just the playing cards painted on top, which is traditional. Um, Lenormand decks consist of 36 cards, uh, which with playing cards on top. Obviously, you can't fit all the playing cards because um, there's 36 cards. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a deck that came out of France, uh, early 1900s. Um, Mademoiselle, you might know all this, but Mademoiselle Linermont created the deck. She was an old. Famous, or not old, but, you know, relatively speaking, a famous French fortune teller. Um, and it was her deck, uh, according to, you know, lore, at least.
0: That's so cool. I didn't know any of this. So, I'm really into tarot, but my sister does Lynn Norman readings. So, it was really cool. The last time we got together at a family thing, I had never really been open about, like, doing readings and things like that. And I, like came out of my witchy closet, and I was like, hey, let's smoke some weed and do some tarot readings. (laughs) So we're like at Thanksgiving, and I've like gotten my cousins to try it, and I like put down some cards, and then my sister put down five Lenormand cards, and then I would lay down five underneath it, and then she would do the reading, and then I would kind of like read off of her reading. And it was so cool to, like, combine the two. I don't know. It was, like, a really interesting way to, like, read. I've never, like, thought of doing, like, a joint reading, but that was so neat. I don't know. It was cool how they, like, intersected.
1: Sure, that's no, Genius. I mean, it's um, it's hard coming out of the closet sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. The witch closet, the terror yeah. closet, you know. But that's a great idea kind of to include people in it and do readings in tandem like that. Um, It's funny you say that because I was um, at my mom's house because I don't have Wi-Fi where I live. I live way out in the country, me and my Uh wife, and um, no Wi-Fi. Actually, until recently, we're off-grid. We still don't have running water. It's a whole different story. But my mom's house Uh because she has Wi-Fi, and she was like, and me and my mom are very close. And so she was like, you know, we're so close. What is all this tarot stuff? we don't ever talk about this tarot stuff. And I was like, you know, it's hard to bring it up with family. Um, yeah. If they're not, you know, if they don't have the context or background for it. You know? Yeah. So, how
0: did your um, family feel about
1: it? Well, they're very, my mom was
0: very cool, very open-minded. I mm-hmm. mean, um, we put her through hell. So when we
1: were younger, so she's seen it all, you know? Um, so, I mean, my dad's side of the family, very Cajun. So, they're very laid back, they uh, say. Fed, they could really care less, honestly. Um, my mom's side of the family um, all follow me on Instagram. I don't even know how they feel about. I think they feel about like most people probably feel about Tara, just <laughs> kind of like it's just his thing, you know. Yeah. like It's not. I'm not interested in it. They probably don't think it's bad, you know, but they're just it's not their thing, you know. And so when I was like, trying to explain it to my mom today, as you probably know. It can be difficult explaining how it works, at least to you, to someone who has no background at all. Uh,
0: well, reading. it's like trying to exper- explain something that you need to experience, too.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. like articulating what you feel. And it's like hard if you're not a super articulate person to begin with. Because I think, as artists, especially, like being attracted to something so visual as tarot and um Lenormand and all these cards it's just like little pictures that you can kind of get an intuition or feeling about and it's hard especially when I guess other people just aren't attracted to that because maybe they take in energy differently or process things differently but Like, that's cool. I don't know. My mom finally opened up. It was, like, so I officially, like, came out to everybody as doing this. Well, they've, like, always known, but I really made it public and, like, told everybody the last eclipse season with Leo in the summer I don't know if you like remember that time specifically, but. uh, I
1: do. It was a big transition for me too.
0: Oh my god, dude, it fucking rocked my world. So I did my yoga training, and that full moon eclipse fell on the last, like, my um, little final project or whatever when I finally, like, taught the class. And so I was getting, like, all of this negative feedback from people who were intimidated by it. And they were like, we're going to sit out. Like, we don't like it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then, like, I got up there and I felt like so, like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And I don't give a fuck. And, like, I was right in the thick of, like, my mom being like, what the fuck are you doing? And then here I am, like, cause she goes to the same yoga studio, so she was like, what are you doing? Worlds colliding. Yeah, worlds colliding, totally. And I'm like, I got up there and I am just start, like, hysterically bawling. Cause, like, my heart was just, like, open, but it felt so good to just, like, show up as myself. And, like, it was just such a beautiful moment, and... Like, I, I let it and it was great. And then it turns out I'm leading my first workshop on yoga and tarot this weekend. And I didn't even notice it, but it's the Leo eclipse again. And it's like, what the fuck? You can't even make this shit up. You it,
1: that's so You can't make this shit up. Yeah.
0: No. So, what was going on for you around that time?
1: Well, oh, I'm just curious. Are you a Leo? What's your sign?
0: I have a Leo midheaven. Okay, cool. And then my... You're a Leo? Yeah. I love Leos! Leos (laughs) are the best!
1: (laughs) Way could be a little obnoxious, but... um, No,
0: I think they're the coolest. I'm, like, perpetually trying to be a Leo. (laughs) And
1: what's your uh, astrology sign? So,
0: I'm a Capricorn, and I have a Pisces moon and a Scorpio rising. So I'm Ooh. just like very watery and earthy.
1: Sure, lost Scorpio as well.
0: Uh-huh, um, that watery.
1: But, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, and, and so it was the the it was in when was it remind me when again it talking about? I think it was about?
0: in early August or in the middle of August.
1: Well, that's what I thought. Um, mm-hmm. I was at uh, a job basically where I was just burnt out at mm-hmm. um And I had been there for a while and I was just burned out. And it was similar to what you just said. It was like you get to a point where you know you, you know what you want to do. Um, It feels like it's the time, it feels right. You can't, you know, it's like, you know how magic is it and spirituality. It calls you all your life, then you're kind of like, no, not yet, no, not yet. And then finally, one day, you're like, fuck it. I can't run anymore, right, <laughs> yeah. um, and so I actually did it, so I was very, I had a pretty good job, I worked actually at a rum distillery, and I had a good job, I'm actually still there part-time, um, but working full-time, for me, is very difficult at a job, it's very difficult, um, it's just, this is hard for me, um, so I actually did a tarot reading about it, um, and the cards basically said, look, you don't know what you're going to do next, that's okay, But just, you need to quit. You don't know what you're going to do next, quit. So I took a leap of faith and quit. Of course, they wanted me back, so I'm there part-time now. Um, But it's worked out perfectly because since then, about mid-August into early September, it it was like a flower opening and all these – everything just started falling into place. Like you said, you know, like the the yoga – thing, you were doing it and it was just, you were at the right place at the right time and um, you answered the call so to speak. And so it was like that. And the previous August, um, I believe it was a solar eclipse?
0: Uh-huh, that big one that we had. The,
1: yes, the big one that crossed the United States.
0: <laughs> yeah, where all I my shit by, fell, fell apart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. It, I mean, that was another huge one, and I actually uh-huh. that one was huge. I met my wife like the day before that. And wow, it was just, or the day after. I forget. Oh, uh, I think the day after. Um, so that one was also super.
0: And then know. it's all around your birthday, then too, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yep. And so, she's a Leo too. So wow. Just,
0: was, uh, so <laughs> is she really into tarot stuff too?
1: Uh, she is, um, not as much as me, but she's an artist, she's very oh, that's spiritual, cool. uh-huh. um, she's had, I mean, I, my thing's like lucid dreaming, and, uh, astral projection and stuff, but she's had, like, a lot of out-of-body experiences, um, Talk to me about,
0: like, lucid dreaming, I, you know, what's weird is I had a dream about, like, a distillery last, not last night, but the night before. Crazy. I don't know, it was weird. I was in this, like, big distillery room, and it was, like, this big, um, like a big, it wasn't like a big, it was almost like a big hot tub that took up the whole room, but it was the the distillery thing? Sure. It was, I don't know, so it was, like, all of this water involved, and, I don't know, it was fucking weird, but... You so, know, well, I may have been so. showing you around the distillery, you know, uh,
1: in dream time. Um, but, yeah, with lucid dreaming for me, um, believe it or not, um, I used to do a lot of psychedelics for spiritual purposes. Uh-huh. Uh, earlier in life, I abused it like kids do, but in my early tw- – I'm 34 now. In my early 20s, I did a lot of psychedelics in ritual space. Um uh-huh. And I was actually smoking, believe name it. You, I mean, you, you name it. I've done it for psychedelics go, But I was smoking a lot of salvia divinorum, which mm-hmm. is a really weird plant. Um, but it catapulted me into lucid dreaming, um, mm-hmm. and so I started having lucid dreams almost every night. Um, and they're very powerful. Um, and I, I didn't honestly, I didn't even know what lucid dreaming was before I had my first lucid dream.
0: What um, would you, like, classify lucid dreaming as? Are you okay uh, if I smoke weed while we're talking?
1: Definitely. Please do. Please do. Oh, damn, I like it. Um, so, um, it's basically, are you familiar with lucid dreaming at all? If, like, you've heard of it?
0: Um, I mean, it? I've, like, done Yoga Nidra, which I kind I of... Do is kind of considered, like, lucid dreaming, right?
1: Sure, definitely. Um, and, of course, you know, there's levels of lucidity. If you're flying normally in a dream, you're normally more lucid uh, for whatever reason. Um, but a full-blown lucid dream is when you wake up, but instead of waking up to, quote-unquote, reality, you wake up in the dream. Mm, I've and done that. Yes, a lot of people have, they're just, they're they're not aware it's called something, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and for most people, and for me, the lucid dream was realer than reality, same with astral projection and all that stuff. Normally it feels realer than reality, um, and you can do all kinds of things in the lucid dream world. You can meet deities and fly and have sex, you can do whatever you want. And it's just, um, for me, it was a a life-changing experience. Since then, I can lucid dream without smoking salvia. Um, The more I meditate, normally, the more I can lucid Mm -hmm. dream.
0: I feel like some people just have, like, a bigger pineal production, too, where they can just, like, naturally, I guess, tap into that easier. I, I end up doing that while I'm drawing or while I'm painting. Like, I'll go back to my dream while I'm drawing. It's super weird. Do you ever do well, that? Like, you mean like,
1: it'll come back to you, like, while you're drawing? Yeah, longer? it'll,
0: like, come back to me, and I can also, like, look around.
1: Sure.
0: You know well, what I sure, mean?
1: Well, sure, and that's, no, that definitely, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, very much, like, astral projection, you know.
0: Yeah, um, do you feel stuff. like when you dream, do you feel like you fucking go there? Because I feel like I wake up, and I'm exhausted, And I'm like, I just, like, went to wherever that place was. And I feel like most of my dreams are, like, places. Like, last night, I feel like I was in the Amazon. And I remember it being, like, this huge castle-y type place and looking out. And it was just, like, and I remember consciously being able to, like, go over and, like, open the blinds and be able to look out. And it was just this huge jungle, like, everywhere. And it was just beautiful.
1: Definitely,
0: um, um, that was super cool.
1: Yeah, but... I really feel like dreaming, um, it's just another reality
0: or another way of experiencing reality for sure. Yeah, so what are some cool dreams you've had?
1: Well, um, the first lucid dream I had, so I was staying at my dad's place out in the country and I smoked a large dose of salvia and went to bed, which is what I would do. And I just remember waking up, this is my first lucid dream, waking up in the dream. And when I become, every time I become very lucid, Mm -hmm. I'm washed in love. And you start crying, uh, you know, like a joyful love crying. You just wake up and you're awash in like light and yada, yada, yada. And there was these beings around me. um, And they put magical, again, it's hard to, put these things into words, as you know. Yeah, totally. But these beings put these magical discs or coins or talismans into my stomach, uh, three coins into my stomach, and then sewed me up and told me I would be able to use these in life. And I woke up, and I was like, what the fuck (laughs) was that? I mean, the experience was crazy, but the emotion and the the lucidity of it all was intense. And I I didn't honestly, I didn't think much of it. I went about, I was moving to new Orleans the next day. I went about my life, you know, and I was listening to a podcast actually about a year ago and they were talking about shamanic initiation and he was giving examples of shamanic initiation and he gave the exact same story for a common shamanic initiation. I forget which culture this was, but this was a common experience for shamanic initiation of putting coins into your stomach. And like it clicked 10 years later that I don't know what it was, but it was interesting to hear that someone talking about my experience, um, you know, uh, in a, that didn't have it per se,
0: you know, um, and it just connected. And um, yeah, it was very interesting for me for sure. I feel like there's something with like coins. Especially because I I got this like coin neck. I found a coin necklace when I was in. Let me just show you. Hold on. Let me grab it. Look how cool this thing is. I found this. When I was, like, I don't know, like, seven or yeah. something in a Home Depot parking lot.
1: Wow, well, that's crazy still have it.
0: And, well, my mom took it from me because she was, like, <laughs> you can't, like... <laughs> it's, like, an authentic gold coin from 1878. And it has, like, this picture. It almost looks like, I don't know, like, the high priestess to me or the empress. Um and my mom kept it and gave it back to me on the harvest full moon this past year and like she didn't know but I like I was just like oh like I'm aware of these like astrological things now let me pay attention to what happens and my mom's like here's this gold coin necklace that's like super rare that you found when you were a kid like here I don't know it was just fucking crazy I feel like there's something I don't know it feels like there's some sort of like karma connected to it or there was a reason why I got it that day um yeah I don't know it's super cool
1: definitely it's like it's like the universe is intelligent you know
0: yes it's so intelligent
1: Definitely. once you start listening, all these, as you know, all these synchronicities start multiplying. Yeah. You start having realizations and
0: whatnot. And I also feel like it's almost like it's intelligent in a way that you can feel it, and it's not always like you're hearing it. And I think that's where that, like, watery Scorpio energy comes in, where you're, like, feeling that collective energy. I've noticed, like, through my art, it's been a real teaching Like, going through the seasons and different energy will, like, inspire different art. And, like, you can't force it. Like, I was writing all this great poetry in Scorpio season, and then I expected to just be, like, a great poet forever. (laughs) <laughs> but like it totally like no we're doing for a little bit yeah it's like you I don't know it feels like you speak to different muses or like different like muses are available at different times i don't know what do you think about that like what's your idea about like inspiration and muses and stuff like that
1: I totally agree uh by the way i love your art um thank you you yeah, it's just There's nothing like your art. It's so just vibrant. I just vibrant is the word I would use for it. It's just so full of color. And it's just, I just love it. Um, Thank you. um, But um, yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um, We have, you know, periods of aridity and periods of ups and downs, uh, inspirationally speaking. Um, And I do, I feel like the more you get in touch with like, Nature and the universe—the more you are affected by these things, whether you want to or not. Um, like once I really tapped into some of this stuff, I find it harder to sleep on a full moon, which I used to never be affected by the moon, or at least not consciously. And now, when there's a full moon, I'm like like a werewolf. I mean, I can't sleep. Um, there's all this. I just feel all this energy, um, and I find that that. When you look at periods of low inspiration, a lot of times it matches up with astrological weather, um, what's going on in the skies, and you don't notice it until you think about it, look it out, and you start connecting the dots and you say, oh, wow, there's, there's something here. You know, there's really something to this for sure.
0: Yeah, it almost makes me think of, like, the little synchronicities are happening as, like, dots in your life. And you're taking, like, the brush and, like, connecting all of them. Like a big yeah. painting.
1: Definitely. Um, and it's, like, past year to two meditating a lot. I start remembering all, like you said, connecting the dots. I start remembering all these things from childhood that you kind of forgotten about. But then during meditation, they come back to you and you realize how powerful they were and you realize the universe or whatever you want to call it has been setting you up, you know, your whole life to fulfill your destiny or your soul path or whatever you want to call it. Um, And yet you start connecting the dots. And as you know, synchronicities then start to multiply. And I'm yeah. sure you've heard, like, you know you're on the right path when you're having more and more synchronicities, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a good, um, you know, Indicator. spiritual game.
0: Yeah.
1: So what are some recent synchronicities you've had? So, well, so so I'm doing a uh, Christian mystic tarot deck right now um, mm-hmm. based on mystics, like the Spanish mystics, St. Teresa, the, the Gnostics, all the heretics, right? Um, because in Christianity, anytime there was a movement for mysticism, it was normally squashed pretty quickly. Um, so I've always been in, inspired by the mystics, the Gnostics, all, all, always the underdog for me, you know. Um, but I'm doing the Terra Teresa. And speaking of periods of dryness, I've gone through. Months where I just couldn't create a card for the deck. I just couldn't I I would create, you know, different cards and they just were not the right card for the deck And like you said, you can't force yourself um, To be creative at least in in particular um, different genres of creativity And so I've been meditating a lot because I haven't had to work all that often So I've been meditating all day and during meditation I've been meditating on the hermit a lot, um, and a lot of people have been pulling the I mean, on Instagram. It, it's been hermit stuff. Of course, we're in the winter. It's January. It's hermit time. It's just right. So I'm meditating on the hermit. Which saint I should use for the hermit card? And a name very loudly comes to me, uh, Saint Paul. Um, and I'm thinking, well, Saint Paul, he wasn't really a hermit. Um, the New Testament, Saint Paul. So I Google it. I Google Saint Paul hermit. Um, and sure enough, the first Christian, uh, mystic, you know, uh, hermit, uh, saint was St. Paul the Hermit. Wow. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And so, DM, you know, I'm like, cool, whatever, Wikipedia, the day I had that realization was his feast day. And wow. I was just
2: like, wow. wow. And then I Googled <laughs> image,
1: and sure enough, I find an image of St. Paul the Hermit. In the exact same position as the traditional hermit facing to the left of the tarot card with a light, which in, in this case is a, is a raven. But same exact, you could take a tarot card and put it over that renaissance painting and it was the hermit, you know. And it was just like, like you said, you can't make this stuff up. You know, you I just f- can't.
0: I feel like there's some really significant connection between the renaissance time period and tarot and like something that I'm like so attracted to and I totally feel like it's like a past life thing like so easy it feels like I don't know it feels like through all of the paintings like I'm so attracted to all of the paintings like the figures and the way they're like I don't know like the feeling that comes across from them is like the same feeling I feel when I like pick up a deck you know Definitely. i
1: don't know no for sure um the renaissance so much of tarot i mean you take like the weight smith deck and all that art was based off of renaissance um you know look at the renaissance look to it um but uh-huh. i'm with you i've always been very connected to renaissance arts and of course the renaissance was just that magical period in time where the arts and magic and science all flourish together. Mm-hmm. And back to connecting the dots, my friend, he passed years ago, but he used to call me a Renaissance man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I did because I'm a musician, artist, yada, yada, yada. And I didn't really know what he meant by that. I knew, you know, of the period. So I Googled Renaissance man. And of course Renaissance man is someone who, you know, is skilled in, in arts and science and music and math. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that is me. And that was what, you know, a um, that was what you wanted to be during the Renaissance times. There was no, you know, you have to choose science, but you can't have magic. Or, you, you know, you have to be super selective. No, you can do it all. Um, and I really feel like, and I'd like to get your take on this, but I really feel like we're kind of going back to that. Like tarot, is flo- like, tarot has blown up the past few years. Magic, witchcraft has blown up the past few years. It's crazy. And I really feel like we're going into another really cool spiritual uh, epoch, if you will.
0: I love that. I hope, I mean, I it's- hope that's the way it's going because I feel like I am a renaissance woman. Totally. People say that to me all the time. Especially when I was in my like very crafty like marathoning days, and it would be like I had taken off this like <laughs> random long distance runs, but I would be like, like, eating all of these, like, cannabis edibles before I would go on my long runs. And I felt like I was, like, running with these, like, indigenous people in the woods. And, like, it would be, like, the most surreal experiences. But then I'd be like, okay, now let's go do some hair. Like, let's go draw a picture. (laughs) Like, so random. But it's just, like, whatever... Like, whatever connects you to nature? Because I feel like all of the magic is in nature. Like, it's yeah. all around us. And, like, I love this idea of, like, I don't know, art being some sort of, like, trip, Because it feels very, like, earthly. Art. Like, if art was, like, an element. I don't know. What do you think? I feel like I guess it could be, like, fire, too. Yeah. I, no, I know what you mean. I mean, I look at, like,
1: art like they say, like magic is old as dirt and mm-hmm. art's definitely as old as dirt too, for sure. Um, and I just think, I think we're all artists, but only some of us actually pursue it, you know? Um, but I think it's, it's funny. You said taking cannabis edibles before marathons, cause I was into the martial arts for many years. Um, and I used to get super high before martial arts class and people were like, You know, that is so weird, you know, um, getting high before martial arts class. No, it's
0: not. I mean, I want to pay attention to what's (laughs) happening.
1: (laughs) Exactly. The cannabis allowed me to, like you said, to pay attention Mm
0: -hmm. as a
1: musician too. The cannabis, you can, if you're on cannabis, you can play that same lick for an hour or two. Whereas if you were not on cannabis, your minds can be more... Maybe not easily distracted, but you get bored with it quicker. I think that's why so many uh, musicians are stoners, you know, because they lend themselves to each other so well.
0: Yeah, totally. I feel like it definitely enhances whatever creative thing you're doing.
1: Definitely, for sure.
0: So I want to hear about what other drugs you've done. (laughs) (laughs) Have you done DMT? I have, yeah. So what was that like? I've never done it, but it sounds super cool.
1: It was cool. I've done ayahuasca several times. Um, I
0: want to hear about that too.
1: So I did DMT once and yes, it was all, you, you go down the tunnel and there's the machine elves and it was crazy. I mean, it was hard to explain. It was very, it's similar, it's similar to salvia in the sense that it's short and intense. It's not like taking mushrooms where, you know, you trip for eight hours. It's very intense and for about 20 minutes. Um, But the experience was very different than salvia. Salvia is very weird, Um, but I've had very therapeutic experiences with it. Um, uh, But, yeah, um, the DMT was intense. Ayahuasca felt a little more organic to me, natural to me. Um, I disregarded all... Uh, reason and just honestly ordered the materials and cooked it up myself um, in a very respectful ritual space with a lot of psychedelic experience um, and it was hard to get the, the uh, DMT uh, mixture right because right you have like the the leaves and you have you know the root or um, there's different different ways to cook it but basically you have the DMT and you have the MAOI inhibitor, which allows you to digest the DMT. So it was hard to get the recipe right, but once I got it right, it was very therapeutic, um, DM, uh, ayahuasca found. Um, but yeah, growing up in South Louisiana, we have cow fields everywhere, and so mm-hmm. we grew up picking psilocybin mushrooms and eating them at very young ages, um, not that anyone should do that. Uh, but
0: yeah, Unless we, you, you know, want to. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. You, you probably will. People probably will for sure. Um, but yeah, we grew up, you know, picking psilocybin mushrooms out of cow fields. Um, and then, you know, of course, you got to try LSD and things like that. Um, for me, mushrooms, I've always preferred mushrooms. Um, as far as psychedelics go, mushrooms uh, are my favorite. Uh, and you?
0: So I had tried, I tried um, LSD as a teenager, which I really enjoyed. And I feel like I, I intentionally made some art when I did it. And that was really cool. Um, and I just remember feeling this like overwhelming sense of love. And it was just super beautiful. And I just tried mushrooms maybe like three years ago. I was, like, very interested in it, and I had heard about it, um, but I've really, I've mostly only ever smoked weed. Like, I had tried it as a teenager, the acid, but never really was called back to do it again. Um, and I just feel like cannabis is very mild and just has, like, a very feminine, um, it feels a little gentler. I guess then I feel like mushrooms almost feels like a little bit more like mama bear, like kicking the ass a little oh, bit, like oh this is shit you need to work on, but I tried it like two, two or three years ago and it was really profound. I didn't really know what it would be like, but I only took like a little bit and I did it like a couple times in a row throughout maybe like a week or a month and each time it was like a very different experience um I did some art while I was doing it and I didn't even notice but like I had drawn a picture of my dad and it was my husband who had pointed out to me. He's like, what did you do today? I was like, oh, I ate a little bit of mushrooms and just just drawing. And, like, nothing really happened. He was like, well, what would you draw? I was like, well, I drew a picture of my dad. And then I, you know, then you start thinking about your relationship with that person. Like, why did this come up? Like, what is this trying to tell me? And... I knew there was, like, a thing that I needed to, like, work on with that. And it was just an indicator. And then after that, I felt like I really didn't need to do them again. Like, I knew what I needed to do. And I definitely came out of that experience feeling more broken than I went into it. Like I hear people when they say like, oh my God, like it was so profound and it changed my life. But like, fuck, that takes years (laughs) to do that kind of work that like comes up from it. But I think it's so beneficial to know what the problem is or what the, not even that it's a problem, just like what is the lesson that you're working on? Like where should your attention go? And I had this in my desk. See. This is like kind of your style. It's like under all of my shit. So I also drew this. Nice. Which is kind of weird. But it says be yourself. And it like ended up being like kind of fucking creepy. But. (laughs) And, like, the whole thing is just, like, kind of dark, and I feel like after that, I think a lot of things just really opened up about, like, what I had been suppressing subconsciously, and, like, was making me act out in ways that just weren't healthy, and, after I was able to see that, yeah, you feel so you feel worse, I think. Well, I can't I don't want to say like everybody, but my experience was definitely like I felt worse because I really had a grip of like it makes you look at yourself and you take that like mental inventory of everything you've done and you really see like how you affected people and how you do affect people and like your relationships and Um, but once I was able to do that, and then, you know, it's been basically from then since till until now that I've been able to, um, just working on that like a little bit at a time. And then tarot really came into my life at the end of that summer. Now that I'm thinking about it, I did it in the beginning of that summer. And tarot really came into my life at the end. And I was having all these crazy dreams and I had this dream that like my grandma, it felt like a grandma, like I, I wouldn't say like I recognize them, but it was that just like image of the crone and they were giving me this reading and I just remember like the star and I remember, um, I remember like the vague like shook feeling of the tower that I have like experienced with the psychedelic. That just feeling of, like, everything crumbling because it's really your ego that you were holding up with all of these problems that you had the illusion that were there, maybe, or that you were, like, ignoring. I don't really know. It's hard to articulate. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up. That whole point is is so
1: on point um, because I think a lot of people, they think the psychedelics are going to fix everything for them but it's just the beginning like you said you have to look at your own shit and a lot of times after psychedelics you feel like a piece of shit as you should because what you're doing in the world you're affecting people and how do you treat people you might forget about it consciously but there's a deeper party that doesn't forget about it and so that's when you take psychedelics or meditate you have to look at yourself and you're faced with all this stuff and you can definitely experience like the dark night of the soul, um, or the tower card. And like you said, your ego, it's a little shit starter. Your little, you know, your ego is, um, we all have an ego. It helps us function in the world and external reality. Um, but it needs to be put under control. Um, and or at least be aware, be self-aware. It's cliche, but be self-aware. Know yourself. Um, and psychedelics definitely, like you said, it's kind of like it puts all the stuff into your face. It's like that grandma that's like, baby, you eating too much cake. you getting fat. Baby, you drinking too much alcohol. You're going to have a problem. You don't want to hear it, but that's what psychedelics can do, is tell you what the thing. exact same way with tarot. You know what? Tarot is great for fixing blind spots. Um, Yes,
0: Uh uh-huh. Totally, in such, like, a way where it's, like, using your third eye, too, where it's, like, it's almost like you're looking at the cards, but you're looking in between the cards tells more than, like, the cards. Yes. It's, like, what's in between the lines that, like... Is being It's always, whenever I look at, like, a tarot pattern, like, there's so many times where it asks me to, like, sit on the opposite side and look at it from a different point of view and the whole thing, like, unlocks somehow.
1: Sure.
0: And I feel like there's, I don't know, it's just so, it's, I don't know where I'm going with this.
1: (laughs) No, totally. I think that's what a lot of people... Are getting the tarot for? Because a lot of people ask me, like my mom just now. You know, are you predicting the future with it? You can. It's interesting. You maybe have a fifty-fifty shot. But what the tarot is really good at is self introspection.
0: Yeah, reflection. Yeah. It's totally a look in the water. You're looking into water. Definitely. And especially like so, I I had that experience, and you're so right. It's a beautiful starting point. And especially, like, with the relationship with yourself also. Like, it really caused me to think about, like, my relationship with myself and how I was treating myself and things I felt like I should do rather than just, like, had a desire to do. And really just allowing myself to just simply be myself. Like, you're worthy of being yourself. Um, And there's no other person that, like, you really need to be. But there's still, like, a lot of shit you need to work through, right? As everybody sure. has. Um, and for so part of that, for me, I was getting, I was super OCD where I was, like, checking things a lot. And um, just really getting into, like, compulsive idiosyncrasies. <laughs> <laughs> So it runs in my family and I've realized that. So as a teenager, I was on a lot of psychiatric medication and for depression and anxiety. And I kind of got thrown down that loophole. And then it just completely threw my system out of whack. And it just made me honestly more terrible than ever. And it just blew my world up and it was absolute shit shit. And then I was able to get off all of it, and I really used cannabis as a way to just regulate my endocannabinoid system and my body and bring me back to like homeostasis. And then I realized, especially after that... I kind of had sworn off all pharmaceuticals from then on, because I was like, I know how they are. And I was like, really a purist with the cannabis. And I felt like I was doing everything that would lead me to like a healthy life, quote unquote, Um, and a healthy mind, I guess, like doing all these things that I thought would be good, because they had been good for me in the past. But then really stepping into that present moment and looking, once I was able to look in the mirror into that like psychedelic mirror or the tarot mirror or whatever mirror, your mirror of your dreams, like being able to see what the problem was or where I was at in this moment and then be able to like pivot from there and be like, okay, you know what, like this is what's going to help me right now. And so... I've been taking, um, a, like, a very similar thing to Prozac, where it's, I think it's a SSRI, so that's been helping, like, crazy, like, for the past year, I feel like I've been, like, along this healing, um, path, and it's just helped me so much, and I've, I had to be able to open I feel like psychedelics helped me to open my mind to be able to take in that help too sure. and it wasn't like oh that's what was going to help me like it wasn't the psychedelic that was helping me it was the self-awareness that I got from it that was able to like allow me to open up to the things that had maybe once hurt me but were now going to help me. Sure. Sure. It's, like, allowing things to, like, change and evolve and not being so stuck into, like, demonizing things and, yes. like... black
2: or why, yes. Yeah,
0: and, like, feeling shame about things and something that, like, um, that, you know, was once helped me, but, you know, now I don't feel called to do it right now, but...
1: Yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts. No, no, so well put and I totally agree. Um, And I have similar experiences with that as well where you have a bad experience with something in childhood and then you write it off forever. You Mm -hmm. blacklist it. But once you mature and you see it, nothing is inherently good or evil necessarily. Sometimes you come around, you see things differently, and you can use it for healing. Where maybe a year ago it was, it it was just as well the devil, you know. Um, but I'm with you there on psychedelics. Um, they, um, it's like a finger pointing, and you know, someone could give you really good advice, and you don't have to listen to it. You can go about your life and forget all about the advice. But if you take the heart, the message from the mushroom or whatever you can use that and, and heal and, and grow and whatnot, for sure.
0: Yeah, I love that. Cool. Tell me more things. What else do you like to do?
1: So, I guess this is like a magic podcast, tarot mm-hmm. podcast. Um, I'm a Santa Muerte devotee. Are you familiar with Santa Muerte? No, tell me. Okay, so Santa Muerte is a folk saint from Mexico. Um, she basically is the grim reaper. She looks like the grim reaper. Um, and this, there's a point to this. So what we just talked about, so I was raised very Catholic. I went to Catholic (laughs) schools, all that stuff. And like most Catholics or Christians, well, maybe not most, but I was very disillusioned with Christianity. Um, there was a lot of hypocrisy, didn't like the guilt, didn't like the dogma. It all sounded like bullshit to me. I dropped Christianity when I was about 10 years old, like a sack of potatoes. Um, And I was very, had a lot of resentment towards Christianity and towards Christians. Um, My ex-girlfriend was, I met in New Orleans, and she was a, she was getting her PhD in history, religious studies, um, medieval um, uh, Catholicism, uh, focusing on a Marian shrine in Italy. So, anyways, we're talking, we just met, and I'm all into magic and hoodoo and all this stuff. And when I heard she was studying Christianity, I was really turned off. Uh, not of not not of her, but just of Christianity. I was like, why would you choose Christianity? It's such a terrible religion. Um, but through her, I really started reading her about early Christianity, Gnosticism, her, you know, Christian Hermeticism, and all these things, and I was like, wow, wait a minute. What we've been told about christianity has been totally hijacked by the by you know the church by rome right to control people and so she was uh, mexican descent and so we would go to botanicas a lot to buy candles and statues and i kept seeing there's a big botanica in new Orleans called fnf botanica um and i kept seeing this grim reaper figure and i, I thought it was just some death right like some death magic like bad stuff i just didn't even think about it i couldn't read spanish i didn't know what santa muerte meant um and so my girlfriend was a mexican religious studies nature so i asked her well, what is this and she said oh that's santa muerte and i was like what is she and she, she was like well she's a death god, a mexican death god um and of course santa muerte predates christianity of course um She's death, and I was always into death—Bayou Samedi and Gay Day and all the Vodou uh, death gods—who um, have we've we've experienced each other in lucid dreams and stuff like that. Um, so I've always been drawn to death archetypes, death card, all that stuff. And so I'm like, wow, this is so cool. So I start, you know, approaching Santa Marte. Um and I gelled with her because most people who are devotees to Santa Martin now uh exchange with her and interact with her through a cultural uh, through a catholic cultural context and so I was like oh I get this you have a statue and you have candles and you give her offerings I get all this stuff I was raised with this stuff but she's this badass skeleton god like how fucking cool you know I felt her in my heart um and so I, I went full blast, and then I started getting all back into, you know, reading about Christianity and all this stuff through Santa Marta, through a Mexican death god who brought me back to Christianity, but on my own terms as a mystic and not as a as a preacher or a dogmatic person who's into evil and right and heaven and hell and all that stuff, because I'm much more of a Taoist, uh, philosophically speaking, or a Zen person, philosophically speaking, and um, and uh, so actually, her, uh, her, she became public in Mexico in the early 2000s. She was always kept under wraps. She was a secret, private practice by Mexicans, by some Mexicans in Mexico. She became public in the early 2000s by a woman in a rough neighborhood in Mexico City called Tepito. She had a, a tortilla quesadilla stand. And people kept seeing her big Santa Muerte, and they're like, Bring her out. You know, we want to see her. So that was the first woman, this poor, sweet, amazing woman made her public. And it has blown up ever since. She's is arguably the fastest, according to some, she's the fastest growing religion uh, currently. Um, and me and my wife are on honeymoon. My wife's a big Frida Kahlo fan. So I was like, let's go to Mexico City. You can see Frida Kahlo, and I can go see all the Santa Muerte shit, you know? And so sure enough, we got to go to the first Santa Muerte shrine in Tepito, this crazy neighborhood. Everyone told us don't, even Mexicans, don't go. It's crazy, it's dangerous, you're gonna get mugged. But we went, and it was the most magical, you know, experience in, in physical reality I've ever had. It was like what church should be. It was all about love. There were skeletons everywhere. People spraying her with sprays. It was just a sensory overload, but such a powerful experience. Um, and so, yeah, the big Santa Morte. and, and folk saint fan, Jesus no Verde, all these weird outcast folk saints. Um, I, I take. We have a you know a kinship as it were. So yeah.
0: I love that. That's so cool. Wow. And it's like, even like, it's like, even the representation of death, but it's such a rebirth in everything that it's brought you, which is so cool. Yes. Like, what yes, a exactly. transformation.
1: Yes. Uh, and she's known for that. Santa is a woman. She's a feminine figure. Uh-huh. Um, so she's almost like a, a death uh, counterpart to, to Mary. Uh, so, or Guadalupe, for sure. Um, and, yeah, she's um, she's a life-changer. A lot of people equate her with a narco-culture, with criminals, and criminals do to her, but more criminals pray to Guadalupe, you know. Um, doesn't make Guadalupe a folk saint. So on the ground level, most people who are Santa Muerte devotees are having all these profound experiences through her. Um, but she's specifically good at bringing back Wayward husbands and wives. So if your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend ever leaves you, she is very good. I know from personal experience, she's very good at bringing them back to you. That's what she's very good
0: at doing. Aw, she sounds like a sweetie. <laughs> you would love her. You would yeah. love her, for sure. Love that keeping true love together. Sure. <laughs> nice. So tell me, I want to hear more about astral projecting.
1: Sure. So, when I started lucid dreaming, um, at the same period, I started astral projecting as well. Um, Astral projecting is very similar, but very different. It's, It's like lucid dreaming where you feel that this reality is realer than reality. But in lucid dreaming, you're in a dream. So, you wake up and you're in a dream. As for projecting, you wake up or you, you don't wake up, you jump outside of your body. So when you hear about people saying, Oh, I, I turned around, I jumped, I popped out of my body, and I could look at myself, but I wasn't in my body anymore. And then from normally there you start to fly. And when you fly, you're flying over your neighborhood. And it feels realer than reality. You know in your heart the experience is realer than reality which raises all these questions about reality and what's real and what's reality. And so it's similar to, um, lucid dreaming. You can fly around, you can do all kinds of stuff. You can have like the best sex of your life. You can talk to gods and deities. And it's like me and you talking to each other. Um, so it's very similar to lucid dreaming. And then also start having false awakenings at the same time as well, which is a little bit like astral projecting. You wake up, and it's just like you, you got up this morning, right? You woke up in your bed, you have your coffee, whatever you do. A false awakening, you wake up and you are awake. It's its reality, but there's something not quite right. Um, the first false awakening I had, I woke up, I was living in a, a FEMA camper trailer in, in Louisiana, and I heard this truck outside. It was like seven in the morning, and I'm like, there shouldn't be a truck outside right now. Who's out, I, I, I live in a very rural area. I'm like, Who would be outside right now? And so then I realized, holy shit, you're not actually awake. This is a false awakening. And so then I opened my camper trailer door, and of course, what you want to do? You want to fly, of course. Everyone wants to fly. So then you start flying, and I can't explain it because it sounds crazy, but you are flying. That's it. Your astral body is flying, and you feel weightlessness. And I'm flying over all the pine trees, and I remember thinking, oh, don't fly too far because you're going to get lost. And I remember thinking how crazy of a thought that is, right? And so then I got nervous and kind of got sucked back into my body.
0: Yeah, I feel like when the anxiety starts coming up, I've heard other people say that when we've been in Yoga Nidra, and I remember somebody being like, yeah, and I was... She had an English accent, and she was like, "I was flying, and I, I just got anxious, and I needed to come back." And I was like, "Yeah, dude, you get you, yeah, you start getting nervous."
1: Yes, totally. Um, and that's normally what brings you back in these experiences: either anxiety or too much emotion. So, if mm-hmm. you're having a lucid dream and you're having sex, because I mean, a lot of people do that. I don't mean to be whatever, but a lot of people do that. They become lucid. And they want to have sex, right? Because you can have sex with whoever you want, and it's amazing. But when you start becoming too emotional, it sucks you back down, and you lose lucidity. Um, I
0: mean, I guess it makes sense because you have, like, an energetic body.
1: Exactly. Sure, totally. So and those experiences, uh, you know, um, validate those uh, theories about the astral body and whatnot, for sure.
0: Yeah. Totally. I've just started thinking, well, not just started, but I've, like, recently really gotten into just thinking about just, like, where energy sits in your body and, like, how energy is created in your body. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's all so interesting.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, because you're into
0: yoga, so I've been meditating a lot, okay? Mm -hmm. And I've started having, the only thing I can call it is a kundalini experience. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Have you ever had a kundalini experience?
0: Um I've had I think the coolest experiences when I've done the yoga nidra where it feels like um like I felt like I turned into a bird once and that was really fucking cool um where I'm able to like kind of like shape and like feel out energy um I don't know if I've ever
1: had one. What, did you, what was yours like? Well, I was meditating and then the meditation ended and I laid on my stomach and my back was arched and I felt all this energy coming from the base of my spine through my head and it was overwhelming like ecstasy. And it was so intense I had to get out of that position because it was too intense. And then ever since then... It's like my emotions are just crazy, and like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Lately, too, I've been very warm, so like my wife, who's normally the one who's always hot, and I'm the one who's always cold, ever since this Kundalini, I I call it a Kundalini experience, happened like a week ago, but ever since then, I'm burning up, I feel hot all the time.
0: It sounds um, like it, because I feel like it's supposed to, like, activate something, and once it's activated, I don't think it, like, turns off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what I'm scared of. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I, I... It's so funny you say that, because I was just listening to a podcast, Joe Root, uh, Lighting the Void. I don't know if you heard, but he's got uh, a good podcast. And he was doing an interview about Kundalini, and that's what she said. She said, be careful, because once yeah. it's on." You can't turn it off, and it's like taking the, you know, the red pill, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like like... You can't go back. Or like yeah. Gordon, you, uh, do you listen to Gordon White's uh, rim suit podcast? No.
0: Can you write a list of all of these yes. great and recommendations?
1: podcasts? Um, but he but his famous quote, or one of his famous quotes is,
0: once you get the toothpaste out of the tube, you can't get it back in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree. It, like, totally transforms you, too. Like, you're different. So, like, how could you be... How could you go back if, like, all of your cells have changed? Because I feel like it's such a physical thing. I've told... Because you totally feel when, like, energy's coming into your body. It's a physical thing. You can feel it in a certain place in your body. Like, you can point to, like, your gut, your heart, wherever like you
1: know we're not stupid sure that's it and we're as long as we're in this plane or whatever you want to call it we're very much connected to this physical body and it's we're in it and we use it as a tool and so it's a you know it's a conduit it's a uh electrical you know a conduit and so we're going to feel those changes and those energies and whatnot for sure definitely
0: so how do you do you ever use tarot how do you like let art guide you well
1: that's a good question but um, yeah or um, like
0: how are you like guided by spirit through your art
1: sure um so I consider myself quote-unquote a, a, a visionary artist um, not visionary like I'm a visionary because you know I'm not I'm just <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a visionary, I'm not, you know, I don't have big ideas, Um, but in the sense that you see stuff in meditation, and then you just, so it's, art's easy for me, because I just see it in meditation, I see this image, like, the first Tarot Teresa card I did was Judgment, and it was the Our Lady of Sorrows, Mater Dolorosa, witnessing an asteroid hitting the earth, and... Destroying the earth, and she was crying. And I saw this image in my head during meditation, and so all I had to do was just go find images because I'm not a talented artist, I don't, I'm a collage artist, I don't have talent or skill of any sort. Um, so what I did was just found the images, which is also this kind of magical, you know, kind of like because you don't know what images you're going to find, you know, and you're not going to be able to recreate the exact scene you saw in your vision. So that's another, that's, that's interesting part of the creative process, but all, all I do is have the visions and then make the art. So like, I'm really not even an artist at all. I'm just like, I see something and then I recreate it really is, is what I do.
0: It feels like you're like a messenger. Yeah,
1: I would, I would buy that. I would buy that for sure. Because, um, yeah, it, like I, I don't create it. You know what I mean? Like, it's given
0: me. Totally. I I feel the same way. With, like, I, I don't get... I don't get as much of a vision as I feel like I... As, like, crazy as it sounds, I feel like something... Like, I step aside and something else takes over my body where it's, like, you're allowing it to, like, draw through you. Totally. Um... Like, yeah, like, I'll have, like, kind of, like, a vague idea. I'll get pointed towards, like, an area of interest, and that'll kind of give me, like, a frame of reference, and then just, like, allowing Spirit to, like, just do whatever the fuck it wants. Seems like the coolest and (laughs) and the best results
1: exactly that's just like when I try to force it
0: yeah it's just crap you know yeah I can't like think of any good art (laughs) no exactly
1: see that's how I am too I have like really good artist friends and like they can conceptualize stuff Uh you know and they can think they know they just they're good artists you know yeah exactly um it's it's like that like you said you step aside yeah and you kind of let something else do it for you.
0: Yeah, my sister's like, where's, like, the prototype sketches where you're, like, mapping out the composition? And I'm like, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, see, that was my question about you, because I I can see you're a very good artist. You have just your – I just love your art.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah, and I I mean that. I don't say that – I don't mean it, but – um. What, like, were you an artist your whole life? Did, I mean, did it just happen? I'm just curious.
0: No, I've been doing art since I was a little kid, and it was really my sister, I feel like, who taught me everything. So she was the really talented one of the family, and just super, like, God-given gift of painting and drawing and... It was just so cool to watch and she was awesome at it and I was like eight years younger than her so I'm like a little kid in elementary school and she's doing all this cool art in high school and I'm like I want to be just like you like you're so cool like I want to be an artist I'm an artist so. (laughs) so that like I just took on that identity and it just felt so comfortable she would like I remember her just teaching me how to draw a candle and like really look at the candle Anna, you're not looking and she really taught me that from a young age. So being able to like really see things that are there and then learning how to see things that are not there. By really the same, like, concentration of looking. It really expanded into that. And you can really see colors that are, like, layered underneath colors. And I feel like that really evolved. And then it kind of, you know, it got nurtured. And I was kind of, I was, I feel like it was kind of my thing throughout my life. Um, it was, like, kind of the one thing I was able to stick to. I was a very... Like, I like to, like, try a lot of different things, and I really ended up, like, quitting a lot of stuff before, because um, I just never really liked it. Like, I just, I, and I, you know, as a teenager, I wasn't allowed to smoke weed, but, um, <laughs> but, like, you know, like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to smoke weed and make art, and oh, yeah. so I'm living out my dreams now, <laughs> Like I just love it. I feel like so at home at my desk and just being able to like um what do you think about like cannabis and like what what kind of energy do you think it is? I was thinking about it. I feel like it would be like a Taurus, like a garden, like a garden, like a feminine garden empressy energy, but like how do you what do you think I'd have to agree, um. And I'm glad you're into cannabis. Um, I've had a lifelong love relationship with cannabis. I used to, uh, I was a professional marijuana grower for
1: many years in my early 20s. I grew marijuana in Austin, Long Beach, Colorado, when it was, you know, all illegal. It was very sketchy lifestyle, but you're growing a plant. And it was so, it got me into gardening. Uh, I wasn't, I mean, I was always into nature and whatnot. but it got me into plants because when you become a full-time marijuana grower, you your whole life is taking care of those plants. Um, and so I, I'm not to have to agree with you. It's uh, the the energy. Well, one, it's very feminine for one because when you're growing marijuana, of course, you don't want any males. You don't want any dicks in the room <laughs> right. because then they give you seeds. You just uh-huh. want female. You want sensamia. Um, and so – I was always working with, because that's what's so cool about cannabis, you have male and female plants. And for a marijuana grower, all I worked with was female plants. I've always had, I was raised by my mother. I've always been very, I've always had a very strong connection to woman and to feminine. And I am, um, you know, a cisgender man, but I've always been very feminine in, in my heart. Um And so working with these plants was very therapeutic, um, very, you know, magical for lack of a better word. But yeah, the energy was definitely, like you said, very earthy for sure, very grounding for me. Marijuana, especially in high school, it kept me out of a lot of trouble um, because I was crazy. And not until I got into hard drugs, the bad drugs. In high school did I have a problem. But even then marijuana probably got me out of a lot of trouble because it kept me humble. It always makes it always made me look at my shit. And it, it, it made me think twice before I talked.
0: Totally, Um, and it's, I think it's so beneficial for teenagers because you don't have your frontal lobe developed yet, and it helps you think through decisions. Yes. Like, oh my god, totally. Yeah, I love that about it. I feel like it helps you to process things. Um, Yeah, and I was, I was just thinking, oh, do you know what, like, your Myers-Briggs is?
1: yeah it's a inFp
0: inFp i'm an intj so okay. I'm thinking in judgment but I, like thinking back on it I never i don't know I've been like these ideas have been like swirling in my mind like today like the idea of How do we, like, process... How do I process thoughts? Especially since I'm such a feeling person, but I'm also, like, so thinking. Like, the duality of that and, like, allowing... Like, giving structure to something so, like, watery as emotion. Um, and, like, I don't know, just, like, how we perceive our world and, like, um... I guess the, just the idea of people processing things through thoughts or feelings, I think is, like, such an interesting concept of, like, how different people are. I don't know where I, like, went with that, but.
1: (laughs) No, uh, but I, I totally, I totally get it. And that's what I like about the tarot is the more you think about all these things we've been talking about, they can all be connected back to the tarot, because to me, thoughts are so airy. They're so uh-huh. flighty, Yeah. you know, one minute you have to do this, five minutes later, you've forgotten about it,
2: uh-huh. you know,
1: and like you said, emotions are very water. we feel emotions, the tears, it washes, love washes over us, you know, emotions are watery, and thoughts are airy, and so for me, thoughts have always been, I've always been uh, suspicious of thoughts, um, because they can't be trusted, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But at the same time, they're so necessary. They're such an intricate part of being human. And we have such grand revelations through thought, Um, and it's so connected to emotion. And that's what's so cool about the tarot is you lay down three cards or however many cards you do, and you look at them, and you stare at them. And you're, all these words, all these thoughts are flying through your head, all these connections, your brain's thinking. And sometimes it just clicks and you have this insane feeling of realization and understanding that trumps all thought. And of course, which is the goal of meditation or the practice of meditation to suppress thoughts and to feel. Because once you can turn off thoughts, then you feel everything. Um, and you open up to everything. Thoughts, Terrence McKenna, like uh, one of my favorite mm-hmm. speakers, right? Right. We love Terrence McKenna. One of my favorite quotes of his are, thoughts are not your friends. And um, he also says culture is not your friend, but thoughts are not your friends. Um, thoughts have their own agenda. Um, and a lot of people spend their whole lives chasing around thoughts. Thoughts are not you, you know? And once, but they're not bad, though. There is a tool. The mind is a tool. Thoughts are a tool. But we're enslaved to our thoughts, most of us. So when you turn those off, when you turn the air off, when you turn all that wind off, blowing you all around, you can start opening up to things and feeling things, which is when that water and the cups come into play. And love, and all the cups. Mm. Come in, which is a great suit, of course, the cups. I love that.
0: Wow. I was thinking about what you said earlier about you said know thyself and I've been like thinking about, I'm having my first workshop this Saturday and I'm doing it on the ace of swords. So I feel like that's the season that we're in and it's going to be the sun and Aquarius and, um, this masculine energy cause I feel like it's that active cause you're saying it's very active. Thoughts are active. It's that active masculine energy that's, like, swirling around and it's only when we, like, let it all settle that I think we can really allow in the thought that we can pull down into our heart that, like, infuses everything with purpose. Yes. And, like, because we see the guy in the Ace of Swords holding it. And it's like, and also the, the ivy crown motif that's around it. And this idea that it's like, before we can plant the seed that will bring manifestation to this world, we first have to pick a thought with purpose that will make what we're manifesting be in alignment with spirit. Or else it's, like, what do you, or else you're just, like, exactly a slave to your thoughts. You're putting no purpose into it. And then instead being, like, knocked down by your thoughts. Or, like, I, I feel like when I was, like, really at the highest of, like, my compulsive, like, airy energy, like, there was so much, like act I feel like I was overactive in like my crown chakra and my third eye and it was so much I feel like I my body couldn't keep up with it too like you're not meant to have that much energy it's supposed to be it's supposed to be simpler and then when we're really able to like distill it down to what's important we can Like, reclaim it and be in balance. And then this whole system, like, works together where all of the elements, and then we're kind of being, instead of being, like, bullied around by it, we're, like, led up this mountain by the spirit. I feel like the air can, like, lift you then up this mountain, like, this very earthly mountain. But, like, being able to, like, I don't know, it was so crazy because I was, like, coming up with this meditation for the, I'm going to lead them through this, um, meditation where they're going to have a sword and look at the sword and like, look what was inscribed in the sword and like, see what they already had and like, what is being presented to them now. And, um, what mine had said when I was doing it myself last night was know thyself and like really knowing who you are. So then you can identify what thoughts are yours and then what are other people's that you've picked up that are bullshit because i feel like there's just how you can like call in a saint and call in their prayers you can also just accidentally pick up bullshit from this asshole down the street and like who you know being able to because rarely do does anybody stop and think about it Like, what am I holding? Where did this sword come from? Like, who gave this to me? And, like, thinking, like, back to, like, the original, like, inception of the thought. Like, where did... it? Like, just like you said, like, being dubious of it and, like, actually thinking about, like, where did this come from? Like, how is this serving me? Is this still serving a purpose? And then being able to, like have the self-awareness and knowing yourself enough to be like get the fuck out of here if it's not
1: yes and the ace of swords is perfect for that because it's a sword to cut shit out
0: mm-hmm. so oh yeah never even thought about that
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah the sword especially the ace of swords it's like the perfect <laughs> so it's all, it's all it's all connected it's, it's all nice.
0: coming together <laughs>
1: yeah uh, but uh yeah it's it it cuts stuff out and it was like you said you can call in saints but so many because our thoughts are alive in a way and so much of them are tricksters and so you can call in stuff and you have to be very weary to what you're calling in because spirits can shape shift you call in Uh, a god or saint or whatever and he could come you know a wolf in sheep's clothes you have to be very careful with calling things in and just thinking because a lot of people it was like what you said people don't think about it like this but thoughts we're not we're not drawing a pentagram and drawing a circle and doing a ritual calling these things in like we are when we're uh, invoking spirits but these thoughts come to us throughout the day and They're not necessarily, like you said, they're not necessarily ours or to our best. Um, They're not going to serve us so well. Um, So it's always good to have that sword of awareness to cut out the, the fat, as it were.
0: Continue on to part two. Thank you.